Pastor Brian Crute from Atlanta. Come on up and share, brother. No pressure at all. No pressure. No pressure. You know, it's, oops. This is how we get started. This is, today we want to talk to you from, <laughs> out of an acorn, grow the music stand. Okay, I'm going to let you do it. You raise it this time. <laughs> no, you're going to raise it this time, buddy. There we go. Let's give God a hand for the second music stand, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm honored to be here. It, it seems like home. I walked in, and there is a spirit of God that's here. And I believe that it has more to do not with the building. It has more to do with the people that God has assembled here for his express purpose. I'm telling you, God is up to something incredible. And when I heard about your story, uh, about, you know, how the hotels burned, and of course, um, Pastor Eric has just been uh, such an encouragement to me personally, because you don't always find pastors who get it. And what do I mean when I say that? There has been such, um, such misunderstanding about the sacred and the secular. And when I encounter pastors who really do understand that there really is no divide between the sacred and the secular. I feel like they're my long-lost brothers from another mother. <laughs> I really do. I really do. And it doesn't matter what color they are, because when we talk about the kingdom, color has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with God's anointing, God's purpose, God's plan, God's power, God's resources, the king's domain being seen in the earth with humble, broken people who say, God, if you can use anybody, if you can use anything, here I am. I offered you who I am and who I am not, and you make up the difference. All I want to do is to hear from you and to accomplish the purpose for which I have been created for this season of my life, which then contributes to his story, which we then can look back on and call history. So I want to just kind of come out of the gate. I'm already there with you. And I want to talk to you today about next level faith. Next level faith. And it's a very, very familiar passage as we come from 1 Kings chapter 17. Um, and I, I believe that this is exactly where all of us are regarding the next steps that God wants to implement in our lives. So before we do that, I'm going to ask that you would join hands with someone. I'm going to quickly pray. I do this at home. If I'm at home, I'll just do what I do when I'm at Destiny, okay? Just join hands with me and let's just ask God for his continued presence and blessing on his word. Father, thank you so much for your presence in our lives and in our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to speak to us, empower us, encourage us, help us to see what the next step levels of faith are for us. Lord, we're saying that we cannot do anything without you. We would dare not try. 
And I ask, Lord, that as our hands are joined together, that our hearts would be connected to yours, that there would be a direct download into us, Lord, from what you want to accomplish this day in our hearts and in our lives. Visit those places that have been tarred. Visit those places, God, that have been charred uh, by the fires of life. Lord, I pray that you would resurrect every dream that somehow has been laid aside. I thank you, O oh God, that waters from your spirit will flow into the desert places of every person that's here. And as we are joined hands, we thank you that if any two of us shall agree on earth is touching, anything that we shall ask shall be done by you who is in heaven. We're in earth, but you're also in the earth of our heart. And so we thank you that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is to be seen everywhere we go, everywhere the soles of our feet tread. You said that you've given us that land. So we thank you, we honor you, and we give you permission to take possession of the lands of our hearts. We glorify you and we thank you, O oh God, for being who you are always, all the time, never taking off. You watch over your word to perform it. And so we thank you that we are privileged to be a part of your eternal purpose and plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm just a little excited because, first of all, I want you to understand that my being here and sharing with you and what I'm going to share with you Really, it's not even about the message. It's not even about the messenger. It really is about the message. And I want you to know that I feel like God has just been uh, transforming me. I feel like I'm saved all over again. And you have these seasons in your life where, you know, you get with God and you say, Lord, let me be with people who are experiencing fresh insights uh, they're not new to him. They're just new to us. And I, I'm feeling like, God, there's something that you're doing in my heart that I don't ever want you to stop. I, I don't ever want you to stop. Thank you so much for loving me enough that you would choose to reveal a, a certain aspect of your plan and your purpose. And, and then, God, you think enough of me to use me in ways that I could never imagine that you would use me. So I'm so grateful. So really, I'm sharing with you out of the overflow of a personal transformation that is happening in my life at this very moment. This is not contrived charisma. This is not, I'm not faking it. I don't have to be fake because Jesus Christ isn't fake. He's called truth. Yeah. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, you know, if I'm a little bit too excitable, just forgive me in advance, okay? If this is like it's a little bit too much for you. And I also want to just say, you know, at my church back home, I'm used to them talking back to me. You say, what do you mean talking back to you? Like if, if something that I say resonates with you, it's okay if you say amen. Okay? Now, if you don't say it, it's okay. I'm just going to go with the people who say amen because then I feel more... You, you, you hear what I'm saying? But I believe that God has something for every one of us, okay? Do they have outlines now? Do they have outlines? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. On your outlines at the top, I believe you have Matthew chapter 9. Yeah? Okay. Matthew chapter 9. I think I'll just go to what you have. <clears throat> just a second. Let me just get there. <clears throat>
Matthew chapter 9, verses 29 and 30. Here's a particular passage. We're talking about developing next-level faith. Let me just say, no one is exempt from this message. No one. In other words, you can't afford to check out because regardless of where you are on the continuum of faith, everybody has a next level that God wants to take us to. Now, if you're here and you're not a believer, then your next level would be believing. Okay? Everybody has a next level. If you've been serving God for a week, you have another, there's a next level for you. If you've been serving God for 30, 40, 50 years, please don't think that you have a corner on faith. Because the issue would be that if you believe it all, then you would be showing it all. Okay? The bottom line is every one of us has a place where God says, you know what? I see where you are, but I see where I want to take you, and that is the next level for you. Okay? The second mistake that you could make is comparing where you are with the person seated next to you. That is a grave mistake to make. Because God has a unique thumbprint for each and every one of us. So if you compare your faith, even if you're married, and you compare where you are with your spouse, you would be making a big mistake because, see, pride can enter in if you think that you are somehow better than the next person simply because you have more faith. The Bible says that God has given to every man or woman a measure of faith. So the deal is, what are you doing with what you've received, and then is there a next uh, dispensing, if you will, of faith that comes as we humbly submit to God and say, Lord, wherever I am, wherever that is, and you know what? God has to show you where you are. Yes. I, th I know that we sometimes can think that we are somewhere that we maybe are or are not, but can I get total agreement? that there is a next level of faith for every one of us here. Can I, can, can we, can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right. Now that that's been established, I want to look at Matthew chapter 9 first simply as a foundational scripture because you've got two guys who were blind, two guys who were blind, and here they are, they're following Jesus Christ, and they follow him into a house, and they are asking him to heal their sight. Now, I'd like to present to you that as these guys are physically blind, I think they already see because they have the ability to know what Jesus' power can do for them before their physical sight is ever opened. It's kind of like people who already walk around with their physical sight, but they're spiritually blind. If I had to have a choice, I wouldn't choose either or. I'd want to be, I'd want to have physical sight and I want to be able to see spiritually what the next steps are for me as God has purposed to work in my life. So these guys come to Jesus, and he says to them as, he, as they ask him to heal them of their physical blindness. The Bible says, then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. And what was the result? after Jesus had made this declaration to them. What does the Bible say? Come on, it's right there in front of you. Say it again. And their eyes were opened. Now, what is the correlation between their eyes being opened and them asking Jesus to heal them? Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be unto you. 
These guys had already gone to the next level before their eyes were opened. My Lord. They were already there. You see, sometimes we go to God and we ask him to do things for us. And as we ask him to do those things for us, we're hoping that we're at the next level. They didn't do that. They were already at the next level, but they needed the manifestation of what their request was to validate that they were already there. So these blind men came to Jesus Having already been transitioned to that place, all Jesus had to do was to identify and align with the faith that they had already exemplified by following him to where he was. And when they asked, it was already done. So all he had to do was touch their eyes, and their eyes were open. I want to just catapult from there, because what God is doing here at East Side and what God is doing here in Portland, it's going to take some next level faith. And I'm telling you, it's already done, even if you don't see it with your physical eyes. What God wants to do today, perhaps, is to open your spiritual eyes before he shows you with your physical eyes what he's already worked out. Okay? Now, either we can believe this or we don't, but this is not just for Portland. This is for anybody who's here from any location from where you may have come. God is moving in an incredible way. Look at your neighbor and say, next level. level. Come on, look at him again and say, "Next next level. All right, now how do we develop next level faith? Number one, and we're going to look at the story of Elijah. I must, number one, leave my comfort zone. The Lord spoke his word in verse 8 to Elijah. He says, go to Zarephath in Sidon. Now here you've got Elijah. He's, you know, camping out uh, by the brook Cherith. You know, it's the brook Cherith Inn. And uh, he's got concierge service from the ravens. And God is just, you know, providing him with bread, and he has a a brook that he can drink from. This is direct access. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. And so he's he's there, and he's drinking, and he says, uh, you know, he's, he's comfortable. He's comfortable. Now, you have to remember that sometimes God has to kind of nudge us from our comfort zone if we are going to develop next level faith. How many of you know sometimes it's easy to coast? How many of you know that sometimes as a Christian, we can sometimes revel in what has happened in the past? And instead of having new and fresh testimonies, we just repeat the same old testimonies year after year. This is what God is doing, and he did that like years ago, you know, because nothing's really happening in your life. And so what you have to do is you have to get with somebody whose life is, looks more bleak than yours. And then, you're, and then it looks like your life is shining. It looks like it's, it's glaringly bright when their life is dull and both of you are really dull. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I, I want to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing. And so in order to do that, sometimes it requires God to nudge me from that comfort zone where we just casually coasting, happy to be a Christian on my way to heaven, and I really don't care about anything around me. Thank God for Jesus. I'm, I'm going there. And he says, no, if you're going to develop next level faith, I got to get you out of that comfort zone. And I'm, I'm wondering, is there a comfort zone 
that you've been living in for quite some time. Because you know, when God rocks the boat, when he moves you out of your comfort zone, oh, it's not comfortable. I mean, it's not, it is not where you want to be. Because, let me find out. Who are my, you are the consummate planner. You, you have a contingency plan for everything. Plan A doesn't work, you've got a plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, you've got a plan C. And if plan C doesn't work, you've got a plan D. And if, if those four don't work, you certainly have a plan E. All they have to do is just come to you and you've got it all figured out. You don't know, you, you, you don't necessarily, in other words, there are contingencies for the contingencies. Anybody kind of like that? Yeah, yeah. See, we're the kind that God says, you know what? I'm going to blow on all of your contingency plans because you take refuge in the fact that I've gifted you to be able to plan. I don't want you to be able to depend upon what I've given you, the ability that I've given you. I don't want you to even put your faith in the, in the plan of the plan of the plan. I want you to put your faith in the plan giver. I want you to be connected to me so that if, if all of your plans fail, you know that I'm here with you. I've got your back. I just need you to have faith in me, not in the things that I give you. So everybody say, I've got to leave my comfort zone. Number two, if I'm going to leave my comfort zone, then secondly, I have to let go of my fear. I have to let go of my fear. So he told him, go to Zarephath and Sidon, and then he takes it to another level. He says, live there. Now, you got to understand who's in Sidon. It's Jezebel, or Jezzy, we call her. And I didn't know that there was a precursor to Beyonce, women run the world. This, 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 is, this is what we're talking about here in, in, in verse 9, you see. He said, now why do I have to go there? You, you understand that women run the world there. I don't want to be there. She doesn't like brothers. The, 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 this woman is treacherous. She is the wicked witch of the east. How could you be sending me there? Well, the brook is dried up. The concierge service is no longer available. So where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I have a place that I'm going to send you. And if I send you there, I'm not sending you alone. Now, how many of you know that sometimes when God tells us to do some things, it can be fearful? I think, Patricia, you can relate to that. I mean, I serve on the board uh, of, of Nehemiah Project International Ministries. And I'll tell you, you know, Patrice came to us and he said, uh, you know, um, I believe God wants us to move to Portland. And we just looked at him. <laughs> I said, really? Portland. Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Patrice, how many black people do you know in Portland? <laughs> I, I, just, I just wanted to know. Can, can I keep it real? I'm just keeping it real with you, right? I, I, you know, and I just, I know I just said that it wasn't about color. I do know that. <laughs> but how many of you know sometimes when you're fearful, you resort back? To very familiar reference points. So I, you know, we were asking him, okay, now who do you know black in Portland? And he couldn't tell us. <laughs> he couldn't tell us. I, 
so I said, well, you know, golly. Um, um, now, we live in Atlanta. I said, as God, maybe did you miss, like, several states? We know that you're in Washington. Maybe the Lord told you Atlanta, Atlanta. Portland does not sound like Atlanta. There's, there's, you, you got a syllabic deal going on here. There's some kind of misfunction. But he says, no, 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 Pastor. Um, we, we, I think I'm hearing right. I, I think God has said Portland. And after, you know, a few months, and I have to tell you it was a few months, when he came here and we began to hear what was taking place, and I was asked about Gina and the girls. I said, okay, uh, are they all right? <laughs> are they all right? He says, Pastor, everything's good. I said, okay, and maybe you did hear God. <laughs> maybe you did hear God, okay. And, and, and I can tell now that he heard from God because Portland is an incredible place. I, I, this is the first time that I've ever been here. And I'm telling you, I, 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 said to, um, I, I said to a couple of guys, I called back home, I said, Portland, is, uh, there's, there's something stirring here. I only knew Portland for the trailblazers. <laughs> you know, I'm an avid basketball fan, right? So. I knew about Paul Allen, and I, know, and I knew about that, but I'm saying, hmm, God is doing something here. And he's, he, is, he is up to something. And you know what? I want to be a part Amen. of what God, huh? To Move to Portland. Well, you know, I haven't heard him say that just yet. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like Elijah. You want me to go where? Okay. So, uh, we're planning Patrice here. Let, let me, I want to see what happens in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but you know, fear can be the greatest yeah. in, inhibition. It can be the greatest entrapment yeah. to obeying God. Fear. It's fear. Matter of fact, Proverbs 29, 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust the Lord, what? Means safety. Now, I've discovered in my life that there are three things that I need to remember when fear grips my heart, whenever I am paralyzed by fear. Now, number one, God knows where you are. God knows where you are. And I am not talking about geographically. God knows where you are inwardly. As a matter of fact, we find in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, he says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. God knows exactly where you are as you're seated here listening to this message. Or if you've gotten this message at a later time and you are somehow, you purchased this CD or this tape and you're listening to this, at whatever time you are listening to this message, God knows exactly where you are inwardly right now. And it is not by accident that you are being literally undressed emotionally. Because sometimes when God wants us to take next steps, we're afraid because we are so comfortable with the familiar 
and it is the unknown of the future that keeps us glued to the seats of the present. He says, no, 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 listen, here is the confirmation. Here's what I want you to understand. Don't be afraid. He would not tell you to be afraid if you weren't. Even if you act like you're bold and brave. You know how sometimes men can, can front, and you know when I say front, I mean, in other words, we, we pretend. It's just kind of like when we're driving and we don't want directions. We, we don't have a clue where we are. And my wife will say, honey, um, are we lost? No, no, we're not lost. We're not lost. Of course not. I mean, nothing in God is ever lost. <laughs> just as lost as I can be. But what keeps me from actually saying it? I don't want her to think that I don't know what I'm doing. And how many of you know that when you don't know what you're doing, even though you're projecting an air of confidence, God knows that you're dumb as all outdoors? <laughs> Come on. Can we keep it real? Huh? Right? He knows. He knows where you are. So here's the deal. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Now, before you can say you're strong, what do you have to admit? I'm weak. Before you can get confidence, you have to admit, I'm afraid. Yes. yes. I'm afraid. Pastor Eric just shared some incredible news. And I don't know how you felt as church members, but you need to let God know where you are. Oh, God. 11 acres. <laughs> how are we going to pay for this? Yeah. Right? See, he already knows. So don't act like, oh, Pastor, I'm so happy. I'm so glad. You can be happy and glad, but you also need to make sure that you understand. Um, maybe I don't have all the faith that I need to be completely 100% on board, but I want that. See, when you acknowledge where you are, God then can supply you with what you need, okay? Just acknowledge where you are. And I tell you, it takes humility to acknowledge where you really are. You aren't doing God any favors by acting like you are somewhere where you are not. If you are not faith-filled, then say, Lord, I don't have the faith for this, but I thank you that you're able to give me the faith that I need. Okay? Look to your name and say, he's talking to you. Go ahead and say, he's talking to you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's right. Certainly. Okay? Secondly, God knows where you're going. God knows where you're going. He knows where you're going. When fear grips your heart, he knows exactly where you're going. Now, you may not know, but God knows. And this is what I love in Job chapter 23, verses 8 through 10. It says, I've searched in the east. God is not there. I have not found him when I searched in the west. God has been at work in the north and the south, but still I have not seen him. Yet God knows every step I take. When I search the four corners of the globe, Job says, I know he's at work. I know he's working, but I just don't know where I'm going. Lord, the steps that I take, I want you to be with me in these next steps. I'm taking the next level step. And though I can't sense you, I don't see you, I'm asking that you, as I take the step, that you would be with me. And because God knows where you are and he knows where you're going, he also, number three, knows what he's doing. 
When fear grips your heart, remember, God knows where you are, he knows where you're going, and he knows what he's doing. Now, that's where my confidence comes from. I love the fact God knows what he's doing. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the plans. They are plans for peace and not disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. Amen. Hope. Yeah, amen. Hope. Hope campus. There's a hope-filled future yes. right down the street, yes. not too far from here. But before hope can be seen in a geographical location, hope has to be birthed in our hearts. Yes. God says, I know what I'm doing. Now, if you trust me, I've got some contingency plans. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. God doesn't have a plan B for your life. He only has one plan. Now, I'll tell you, we can find some very incredible ways to try to mess up what God has, has already purposed to do. You know, I love the scripture where he says, listen, I've already taken into account that you're going to do some bonehead stuff. <laughs> you are. I've taken into account that you're going to talk one thing and you're going to do something totally different. But I've already factored that in because all things, see, this is why I give you the word, all things now work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, he didn't say that all things were good, but he did say all things would work together for the good because he realized that we wouldn't always be good. He realizes that. So my confidence God, you know what you're doing. Next level steps of faith says, God, thank you that you know what you're doing. Even if you don't choose to reveal to me everything that you're doing, I just want to be connected with you and walk with you in such a way that even if I misstep, you've already factored in my misstep, and my misstep is working together for my good as you put me back on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Oh, we could continue with that, but I better go on to the next point. <laughs> Developing next level faith. Number three, I learned to look for God's provision. I look for God's provision. Look for God's provision. Go to Zarephath. He tells Elijah, I have commanded a widow there to take care of you. Now, what he's saying is this. I have already spoken to a widow who does not fit your giving profile. <laughs> So, I don't need you to trip. <laughs> she is a single parent with a child. But I've already spoken to her. And there I have commanded her to take care of you because you've got needs too. You have no bread. You have no water. So, when you go there, don't look for Mr. Wealthy. Her husband is dead. She's a widow. And sometimes God has to dry up our resources, and sometimes God has to do things in our lives that causes us not to go to the natural places of assistance where we would normally go. No, no, is that me? I don't know. I'll, I'll just keep preaching, okay? Maybe, I don't know. 
Sometimes God has to dry up those resources. You know, I, I read a statistic, and it, it, it really is true. And some of the larger ministries that are supported by donations and by giving, the giving profile is not uh, commensurate with the wealthy. It, it, it does not align with the wealthy. The wealthy do not support ministries. I didn't say they don't support them um, at all, but the majority of the donations that come uh, to larger ministries come from people whose profile looks more like this widow woman. It's the truth. And sometimes when you're about to take a next level step, you need to divorce yourself from who you think ought to be supporting you. You have to go to the people that God has purposed for you to go to. You know why? Because even as we're seated here right now, I believe that God is already speaking to people to support this ministry and any other ministry that is present here today. He's already talking to them. He's already talking to them. You see, he doesn't need your permission to talk to other people about your ministry opportunities. He doesn't need your permission. As a matter of fact, he's God enough where he doesn't even have to come to you to tell you that he's talking to them. All he needs you to do is to take the next step. And when you go to those persons, he's already primed their hearts for the ask. So don't judge people by how they look on the outside. See, my tendency is to look at wealthy people because, you know, the way I was raised is you you don't take from people who perceptibly don't look, they, they don't look the part. You say, what do you mean? If someone looks less fortunate than I do, I feel bad. You know, I was just raised that way where you, you, you don't take from somebody who, as you look at them, it doesn't seem like they can afford what you're asking. I would, I would feel much better if I came to you and you look like you're flowing. <laughs> right? And I come to this brother and I, you know, hey man, can you, you know, I need a low. That's in, and that means a kilo. That's a thousand dollars. Right? So give me, you know, I've checked you out. I'm checking what car you drive. You look like you're... So if, if I ask for a thousand from you, then I know you have other thousands that can be replaced. But if I go to somebody who doesn't quite look that way, uh, it's not that I'm prideful. I just don't want to take from you. I feel better taking from him. Because I know he won't miss it. Get that out of your mind. Because God has a way of breaking us down to where we depend upon him. You could totally be missing your next blessing because you refuse to go to the people that God has already primed their hearts to give to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Guys, I'm walking this out personally in my own life. I I cannot wait to get back to my congregation because I told them, I'm going to do a message next week called What You See is What You Get. And, and I, I have looked at my church family on the basis of what I think they can give. And I have robbed 
God of the opportunity for them to be a blessing. And not just my church family, but I'm talking about people in general. My eyes have been opened. And so I'm saying, God, I will look for your provision. You know, there comes a point in your journey where you, you have to say, you know, um, I don't expect you to just drop it in my lap anymore. I will look. Looking for God's provision is a sign of maturity. It's just like with our kids. You know, when we, when we have our children, we, while they're younger, we provide food for them, and we, we prepare their meals for them, and we cook for them. As they continue to grow, we expect them to develop skill sets coming out of our homes where not only, no, more, no longer do they look for us to give them food, we're teaching them how to go provide for themselves. And do you think that we're wiser than God? He told Elijah, look for my provision. I'm not going to, there are no more ravens for you. Look for it. And there, you're going to have to trust me. So in doing that, he says, look at the new thing I'm going to do. It's already happened. Don't you see it? I will make a road in the desert and rivers in the dry land. God, what is it going to take for me to develop that next level of faith? I have to lose my pride. I have to lose my pride. Elijah went to Zarephath, and when he reached the town gate, he saw a widow gathering wood for fire. Elijah asked her, would you bring me a little water and a cup so I may have a drink? Please bring me a piece of bread, too. Now, it wasn't enough that he was asking for water. This brother had to, he, he, you know, he had to be obedient because that's what he had, bread and water. If he had stopped with just asking for the water, he would not have had his supply. So he looks at her. She doesn't fit the profiles. Got to lose my pride. Okay. I'm asking. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, why don't you read it? Is there help? You read it. I'm doing all the talking so far. You read it. What does it say? James chapter 4, verse 2. What does it say? Some of us, it's as simple as asking God. For some of us, it's that simple. God, I need this. And he says, well, because I've already talked to that person, go to that person. I need this. So you have to lose your pride. Would you look to your neighbor and say, you need to lose your pride. Go ahead and tell them that to you. Yeah. yeah say, uh, look back at him and say it again. Say, you need to lose your pride. Yeah. Sometimes God's voice sounds like the person seated next to you. <laughs> And here's the last point. Once I've done all that, I have to leave the rest up to God. I'm leaving the rest up to God. Verse 12, the woman answered, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Now listen to what she says. Surely as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. I have only a handful of flour in a jar and only a little olive oil in a jug. I came here to gather some wood so I could go home and cook our last meal. My son and I will eat it and then die from hunger. Now, what is the issue here? She's got needs too. And Elijah has words of hope and encouragement for her. So what happens is in our community, there is to be an exchange of our gift sets. The gift mix that God has given us is for one another. She has what he needs. 
He has what she needs, and when they come together, they are fulfilled by the glory of God because she says, I'm going to die. Elijah says, no, you're not. You're not going to die. I've got words of hope and encouragement for you. Elijah thinks he's going to die because he's hungry. <laughs> she says, no, you're not. I've got some bread, I've got some flour, and a little oil. So you see, you're not an island. God never intended for you to be an island. God never intended for one church to do it all. That's why I love the partnership. I love marketplace ministry. The vision of any church will never be fulfilled with just tithes and offerings. Never. That's why the gift mix of the business community is so imperative to accomplish the purposes of God. This is what he means when he says, occupy until I come. Do business until I come. And so we leave the rest up to God. And then as you receive his provisions, let me give you this and I'll let you go home. Number one, refuse to worry. Refuse to worry. If you're going to receive God's provisions, like Elijah, refuse to worry. Don't worry, Elijah said to her. Secondly, you receive and follow instructions. Receive and follow instructions. Says in verses 13 through 15, go home and cook your food as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread from the flour you have and bring it to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then cook something for yourself and your son. So the woman went home and did what Elijah told her to do. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm hungry and I have someone telling me to cook something for them first, that does take faith. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, why can't we break up? Why can't we break some bread together? Why do you have to eat first and I have to wait? You know why? Because God said it to do it that way. Needs sometimes cannot be met until first God sees that there is a level of obedience. That runs counter to how we are in our base nature. Because in our base nature, it is the law of preservation. Take care of self first. Jesus says, I'm going to flip the script on your thinking. I know it's all about you. No, no, no. It's never been about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And what he says is, I'm going to develop you into a fully obedient disciple by following my instructions. Do as I say. Follow my word. So he did it, or she did it. And then the third thing is just remember to share. Remember to share. Refuse to worry, receive and follow instructions, and remember to share. And the woman and her son and Elijah had enough food every day. The jar of flour and the jug of oil were what? Never empty. Just as the Lord, through Elijah, had promised. Never empty. Let me tell you something. What I've learned and what I'm learning is that God's resources never run out. They never run out. The earth is the Lord's and the... Didn't say the emptiness, did it? It said the fullness. We serve God from a standpoint of fullness. There is no scarcity in the kingdom. We may not know where the resources are, but God's not tripping. Hello? God's not tripping today. He knows exactly where the pockets of resources are for your family. He knows where the pockets of resources are for your ministries. He knows where the pockets of resources are for your community. Because the earth is the Lord's. He knows exactly where they are. We get a little antsy and upset 
because it's not within our possession, but just because it's not in your possession doesn't mean that God doesn't know where it is. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? As you receive the provisions, just remember they're not all for you. Remember to share. When you share, that is when they become perpetual, perpetually available. God blesses you to be a blessing. Okay? So you say, well, Pastor, what are we talking about here? Well, I don't know where you might be in your journey. But here's what I know. The next level of faith requires you to take a step. You can't stay where you are. See, we go back to the message, what? I leave my what? My comfort zone. Secondly, I let go of my fear. Thirdly, I do what I, look, look back at your outlines. And you're not remembering this, so you're not. Look, you, see, you know what you're doing? You put your outlines away, you see that? Okay, I'm going back over the message again, okay? Pull out your outlines, pull out your outlines, okay? All right, okay, all right, I'm gonna, every good teacher reviews, right? Isn't that right? Okay, there's a test coming. Oh, I'm so serious. Oh, no, I'm serious. Please don't. I'm serious. There's a test coming. You may not take it today. You're going to take a test. And it's going to be in this lifetime. You'll take it more. I tell you what. You know what? And here's the deal. God won't let you fail. So I just want you to kind of, you know, be prepared. All right? So if we're going to develop next level faith, what is the first thing? We have to do what? Leave your comfort zone. Number two, let go of my fear. Number three, look for God's provision. Number four, what is that? Lose my pride. And number five, leave the rest up to God. You have to have that in you. So when the test comes, you say, okay, I know. Now, the three things that you want to remember is God does bring the provisions. What are they? Refuse to worry. Receive and follow instructions and remember to share. Remember to share. Why don't we bow our heads and go before God?